For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Father God, I am um, excited for what uh, the message that you've given to Carrie and I, and um, may only your truth pass through our lips. May only what you want taught be taught. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for all that you are and all that you're going to share with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Last week, we talked about Jesus as a young boy and how he went to the uh, temple with his family. And part of the reason he went there is so that he not only would learn about the foundation of what he wanted to learn as well as who his father was, but there were multiple reasons why he went. And throughout this series, we're talking about why we learn and questions, that questions are just doubts that we need answered, right? And so over this next year, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament in 2024, and we'll be looking at the places where Jesus is noted in these scriptures and how we can learn what he learned, and we can can grow from that. Every week, we ask a consider question, and that consider question today is, why does the past matter? So we'll give you a few seconds to think about that. All right, we are going to start from the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to that, um, or if you have your U version, turn to that as well. And we're going to be starting in in chapter 1. We're going to skim over chapter 1 and chapter 2. The famous movie Star Wars was released on May 25th, 1977. That makes me feel old. I was 10. (laughs) (laughs) And it begins with the good guy, right? Luke Skywalker. But 22 years later, beginning on May 19th, 1999, we find out the origin of Luke Skywalker in another trilogy which explains and sets the foundation of why and who Luke Skywalker and how he becomes a hero. So we see him and the process of of, uh, Anakin becoming Darth Vader and then out of that how Luke and Leia come to be. Um, And so that's their origin. And when we read the Bible, most people start three-fourths of the way through the book, right? They'll start in John or one of the other three uh, Gospels. And I I certainly understand why people begin there. They want to start with the New Testament. They want to understand who Jesus is. But there are some big advantages to reading the first part of the book. Um, the, The Bible begins with Genesis, a book whose title means beginning or origin, do you want to talk about how Genesis is the foundation of the five books of the law? Absolutely. Okay. Genesis is, you know, one thing I kind of want to backtrack for just a moment. 
I usually tell my children when we're doing lessons, especially out of the Old Testament, you know, Jesus was raised Jewish. Mm -hmm. And if we are to be Christ-like, we need to know how Jesus learned. Mm -hmm. Mimic who he is and who he was at that time um, so that we can understand him and be more Christ-like. So yes, we need to go back to the beginning and understanding for the traditions and how we get to today. So we're bridging that gap from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But Genesis is that foundation of the first five books and uh, they're considered the books of law referred to as the Torah in the Jewish community and um, or the Pentateuch. Uh, The term originated from the Greek word of the five scroll jars. Can you believe that? So see, we knew in the beginning, we knew the jars were very important. The word Torah is used in more religious settings than uh, the Pentateuch, and it is used more often in an academic setting. So kind of giving you a little background, you'll hear these words. Um, The uh, Book of Laws is probably the most common that I've heard. It is also the foundation of the entire Old Testament. In fact, it's really the foundation of the Bible. If the book of Genesis were removed from the Bible, the rest of the Bible, well, it would not have any meaning. We wouldn't be able to understand the plan of salvation. We wouldn't be able to stand the need for it. And... um, Genesis is, is not just the first book of Scripture. It's the foundation for the rest of all Scripture. Right. We can't, we can't move unless we can't build a home, and we can't build our lives without that foundation. Right. In Romans 15:4 in the ESV, it says, it kind of tells you the value of studying Genesis. It says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so understanding why um, it's important for us to go through the Old Testament and tie it in with the New Testament, it just shows that the book of Genesis is true. If the book of Genesis is not true, then we cannot believe the New Testament, right? So there's several places that I kind of saw when I was um, studying. One is Jesus spoke at the beginning of creation, the orange of, of marriage, right from the beginning. He talks about that, what was taught in Genesis in Matthew chapter 19. Um, Genesis tells of Eve's being tempted, and Paul confirms this in 2 Corinthians. He teaches that Adam was the first man in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15. Peter mentions the account of Noah and the great flood, which is found in Genesis in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Um, the fall of man into sin, which we're going to talk about next week as, we, as Pastor Michael and I talk about chapter 3. The very first promise of the coming Savior is also recorded in the third chapter of Genesis. Jesus is in there from the very beginning. And the family history of Christ begins in Genesis. Out of the genealogy comes a chosen nation, which is Israel, um, which is, and the Savior of the world is given. Um, I thought this was interesting. One commentator has found that at least 165 passages in Genesis that are either directly quoted or clearly referred to in the New Testament. I didn't even know that. So that was something new that I learned. Now, there are some folks, including, I mean, some people who call themselves Christians, they think it's a waste of time for us to talk about Genesis. 
they feel like the first chapters of Genesis are just religious fairy tales um, or some myth or legend or whatever, but there, and that there's just spiritual lessons that can be learned. But, and they claim that there's no historical information in this part of the Bible. They just think it's all myths. But we believe that Genesis is historically accurate and it gives accurate accounts and the truthfulness of what is written here is important for two reasons. One, that Jesus taught that the events recorded in these chapters really did happen. He treated them as real history. If these are myths and legends, then the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is put into question. Absolutely. Number two, the truth of these chapters or in Genesis is important because it is here that God addresses the most basic questions, right? And we're t this series is all about questions. Genesis asks those basic questions that as human beings we all want to know. Where are we from? Why are we here? And who really is God? Okay? And so since the dawn of time, we've always wanted to know what our pasts were. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the most watched series on the History Channel right now is called The Dawn of Human History, Mankind. And it's been watched by 1.9 million viewers so far on YouTube. Why? Because we're, we're invested. We want to know what's our origin. Why are we here? How was this planet made? And the entire, how did the entire universe come to be? Um, and we want to learn that. So y'all, if we can't believe what the Bible says about these topics, then why should we believe it's teaching on any other subjects? Right? It's really, really important. And we base the rest of our lives on this book. It, it, from the very beginning, it's our foundation. God is God. Um, but like I said before, we're confident that the first chapters of Genesis are true, that they are God's words for us today. And so we start with the origin, the very beginning. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. If you'll turn to that, if you're there, we'll start. We'll start with Genesis 1, with the first two verses. First two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Mm -hmm. And um, I tell you, earlier this week we were talking and we were discussing these first verses, but in another setting. And Carrie mentioned, she said, well, the, you know, the Holy Spirit was present at the very beginning. I was not taught that growing up. I was taught that the Holy Spirit didn't arrive until Jesus was born and then entered into his ministry. And then I reread this, and then I thought, and I was like, do I question this? No, do I don't question this? And then it clicked, and like Carrie pointed out to me, she said, Spirit is capital S. So it was a whole new vision for me to go, oh, the Holy Spirit was present in the first beginning. I mean, the very first. Mm -hmm. So there's even more of that foundation there. That's right. So we mentioned two out of the three of the Trinity here in the very first two verses, right? So in the very first verse, it says, in the beginning, God. And that word God there is actually, uh, the name of God there is Elohim. Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, and that means, literally means God, judge, creator, and strength. So right from the beginning, in the beginning, God, God. and God means God. 
Um, and God brings the universe, everything into physical realm, into being. And then in that second verse, we see the Trinity there, and we see the Holy Spirit and how it's hovering. He's hovering over the waters. And like I said, we're going to see Jesus here in a minute, right, um, when we go later on down. But I think the big thing is that God created our world from nothing. And Psalms 33, 6 through 7 says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Right? So he, all he had to do was speak. Now, I don't know how God cooks, <laughs> and I don't know how you all cook, but usually there's a recipe we follow, and we got to go step by step right but God here all he had to do was go boom that's right (laughs) or make it so however you want to say it but he just spoke and the heavens and the earth were created and so then the remainder of chapter one uses a six-day framework we're not going to go over that part because there's a lot to cover in the first two chapters and there's a lot that we could talk about in so many and we could spend probably two months talking about the first two chapters of Genesis, but we want to stay focused on our series, which has to do with questions and and foundation, right? The remainder of the chapter uses those six-day framework, describes God's creative activity in more detail. He makes the land, he makes the animals, he makes all of, you know, the plants, everything that's there. And if you skip down to verse 26, we see the creation of human beings, finally, on the sixth day. And it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings. And the Hebrew reads, Adam, okay, in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So right here, we're seeing the Trinity again. In the first chapter, in verse 26, let us make in our image to be like us. So right there, we're seeing the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God all three in one, right? Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about all the different views about chapter 1. There's a lot of debate a lot. on does six days really mean six days, right? And if you want to know more about the four different views that are currently held about what that means, you can come talk to Carrie and I afterwards, and we have a list of those that kind of briefly describes what those are. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day... God is the one who created it. We believe that the Bible is God's precise, perfect word, and that what we read is truth. One commentator, Dan Erickson, wrote, Focusing upon the length of days is like going to a baseball game and talking about what color uniforms the teams were wearing. (laughs) Right? It's not totally irrelevant because you got to know what team you're rooting for, right? But it misses the essence of what's going on. And you've missed God's message for us if you focus so much on how he did it more than that he did do it, right? That's right. So number one, he is the one who created all things. Carl Sagan and anyone else in the academic scientific world is wrong. 
You know, when they say the universe is all there is and all there ever has been and all there ever will be. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty empty feeling if that's true. But it's God. It's not energy. It's not matter. It's the creator God who is eternal. Number two, we know that life on this planet did not evolve by chance, right? A process of natural selection is not how we got here. Some have claimed that because our planet is billions of years old, it is inevitable that life would develop. But here's the thing. Michael Beck's book, Darwin's Black Box, which rocked the scientific world, right, shows that the idea to be is totally foolish. He argues the existence of life, even at the level of the smallest cell, could not have happened by accident. The only <laughs> logical conclusion is there must be an intelligent designer who is responsible for life coming into being. And Christians know this intelligent designer's name is Elohim. It's Elohim. The Lord God. Right? And then the third one is God is great. Oh, he is so great. And um, he is so great that he can created the entire universe. And um, something, too, that uh, as a science teacher, I try to keep up with some things in science. I can't know it all. But just to know that we are also discovering other things outside of what uh, we've known our whole lives, most of us here, is that there's more. Right. There's always more. There's always more. But God is great. He created everything around us and by simply speaking that word. Mm-hmm. And to think about how strong God's breath is just to create everything, that's just a small portion of God. So just think of him as the whole of how mm-hmm. awesome and great he is. In six times in this chapter, God says, let there be. Okay, and then all it was, and then it was so. You know, we sometimes talk about an artist creation, a painter that can take a brush and, and paint a beautiful creation. One of my favorite artists is Peter Max. Yep. And when he does his artwork, he uses one brush for each painting. He never mm-hmm. cleans it. He just adds the color and keeps creating. So we often talk about the artwork mm-hmm. um, as we see it here, but we've got God's artwork all around us so but a painter can take that brush and turn it into a beautiful portrait a sculptor can take that clay and shape it into uh, a statue a jar (laughs) now that's pretty bad that we both say that at the same time okay but the bible tells us that because god is the creator it is he it's not anyone or anything else who is to be worshiped it is him and him alone the creator, Elohim. Love that. Well, in Psalms 148, verse 5, it says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command, and they came into being. You know, as we reflect on God being the creator and his greatness, it should cause us really just to stand in awe. And I've often done that when you've seen that that morning sunrise and the beauty or the sunset, a rainbow, anything, a new creature, just anything. You just look, a new baby. Oh, Aww. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, he created this. We stand in awe. God is great. 
He took time um, to make the stars, the trees, the rivers. He thought about every detail that needed to happen. The birds, the animals, I mean, the mosquito. He thought about it all. You know, the insects. Yeah, I know we often want to smush them, but they're his creation. Yeah, I don't know why he made mosquitoes, but yeah. anyways. That's right. <laughs> You know, it should cause us to sing and to shout with joy with our lips and our hearts. You are worthy, for you have created all things. And if it does not, then maybe we need to wash our eyes a little bit and kind of reset our mindset. And Because uh, I guarantee you, if you just think about it, you're going to be in awe. You're going to be in awe. That's right. You know, God is good. The phrase, it was good is repeated seven times. In this first chapter. Yeah, just right. in this first chapter. He'd create something and then he'd say it is good. It is good. Mm-hmm. And it's summed up in verse uh, 31. It said, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. You know, what God has created is good because it's flawless. It is good because it is the work of the perfect creator. And it is good because it meets our needs as human beings. Mm -hmm. And as we look at this passage, uh, hopefully it will become more and more clear that God is preparing an earth or a land that people can inhabit, that we can live on. He creates the light separate from day and night in order for us to mark the seasons from summer, winter, fall, spring, right now. Winter, thank you, Lord, for that. (laughs) I don't know if I thank for the cold, but... The vegetables and the animals are here to provide food for us. And, and the planet is, is custom. It was custom made. Mm-hmm. It's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to think that. We are one of a kind, just like human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, every human is um, different. Even twins. I often tell my students that. Twins are different, too. Mm-hmm. But everything was placed in the right distance from the sun. The earth was. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were too much closer, it'd be a lot hotter. If we were further away, it'd be too cold. But everything they call that the habitable zone, right? Yes, yes. In the, ha- in the, the habitable scientific world. Yes, yes. So our temperature is not too cold. It's not too hot, but it is too cold today. But the atmosphere <laughs> in which um, it exists on this planet is just right for us to breathe too. Mm-hmm. Think about that. If we go to any other planet, we're not going to be able to breathe and live like we do now. And if we were able to travel from galaxy to galaxy, as you see like in Star Wars or uh, Doctor Who is another good one, scientists estimated that just one of a billion planets would have an atmosphere capable of supporting humans. There could possibly be. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. In Genesis, um, a description of God lovingly built a home for us out of his creation human beings made in his image. And if we read Genesis and do not begin to see that God is that loving father who did all of this for us, created everything for a purpose, specifically for us, then we've missed the whole message. Right. To me, it's kind of like Revelation. We always get so caught up sometimes on the book of Revelation and all the signs and what does it mean and are we in the end times and all of this thing, right? But at the end of the day, the book of Revelation really is God saying, come to me, come back to me, repent and say that I am your God because I love you and I'm trying to rescue you. And so we get so caught up 
just like in Revelation at the end, we get caught up in all the symbolism and everything yep. else like that. We miss the point of the whole book. Genesis can be the same way. We get so caught up in the creationism versus the scientific theory that we lose track of sight of what God is really saying in the book of Genesis, which is I loved you so much. From the beginning. From the beginning that I created this planet for you, this whole world for you. So our last point that we were going to have up on our slides today was God cares. We know that God cares a great deal about his people and his creation. So now we're going to start and look and look to, into, go into chapter 2. So turn to chapter 2, verse 1, if you want to read that. I will. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed the seventh day and God finished his work in creation and he rested mm -hmm. from all of his work so I think the first thing we want to see right here not only has he created this awesome planet for us and everything on it but he also then goes to show on its beginning in the second chapter that he cares for us that he loved us so much that he's showing us right here from the get-go how to have an enriched and full life on this planet. And one of the ways to do that is to rest. It is so important in the busyness of our daily lives that we take time to rest and be still before God. And once again, we're comparing the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? But in Psalms 46.10 is where we get the idea to be still and know that I am God. But then again, in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, Mark says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Right? Now, we could spend a whole sermon on being patient. But the point is, once again, Mark is quoting what God has said in Psalms, which is to be still. Take time to rest. Um, and so that's the first thing in verse 1. Then we skip down to verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Just yeah. that simple, again, breath. Yes. His breath was so strong. I always get a really cool image of that, of God just, just creating the man from the dust and the clay and then breathing life into his nostrils. I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Um I just I just love that image and that he lo it's it's very intimate, isn't it? It's not like he stood back and said, "Wake up," <laughs> right, or "Come to life." He actually got this to breathe into somebody's nostrils. You got to get close, and so he loves us, his creation, yes. so much yes. that he got right up into Adam's face and blew into his nostrils. That's how much God loves you. And he fills our lungs with his breath still to this day. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a beautiful image that God gives us. The other thing, too, is, you know, science says we came from the ocean. God says, I brought you from the dust and the clay of the earth, mm -hmm. from the ground. That's how I created you, right? And so we know from the very beginning that we did not evolve from apes. We did not evolve from a fish <laughs> from the ocean. We evolved because God took time in his, with his own hands to create us just like a jar, a vessel out of the earth and dust and became intimate with us and blew right into our nostrils. I just love verse 7. The second thing that I want you to learn from 
chapter two, or we want you to learn from chapter two, is that he provides a place. So I want to read verse, we'll go down to verse eight. Verse eight says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put man he had formed. And the Lord God, go ahead with verse nine. Uh, verse nine. Then the Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, the trees that were pleasing to the eye and good food. And in the middle of the garden were trees of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So next week, if you come back, we're going to talk about, Michael and I are going to talk about that knowledge of good, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Right, which is the other debate that we talk about in Genesis. And so we're going to talk about that more next week. Um, but I think the key thing is, is he, once again, he's providing that place for them. He creates not only the planet, but he creates a garden where man can be mm-hmm. and all the animals can be. Also, too, he creates fresh water. Yeah. In verse, right? Yeah, in verse 10, it says, A river mm-hmm. watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four head, uh, four headwaters, the names of the first of uh, Pison, the winds to the entire left of Haldea, where there is gold. So there are four specific rivers, mm-hmm. and those rivers still exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have to go into that full detail, but they still exist. You can look up mm-hmm. on the map and find those actually existed. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, hey, here's these words. We've got proof. Right proof of where that is well and we talked about thursday night when you and i were studying together that really when you see the earth was formless there was no land it was all ocean so here we see in chapter two that he is actually springing forth water from underneath the earth right because we can't drink we can't drink seawater salt water so he created those springs those rivers that fresh water and the symbolism there too i think is so beautiful because we know that Jesus is our living water, water. That's right. right? And so here he is not only creating this beautiful garden, but he's also creating fresh a place for us to, to live and to thrive and to grow. And like I said, Michael and I will talk next week about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how that relates to our, how God then gives us the next gift, which is free will, right? Free will, but we're also going to talk about the opposite of that, which is sin. And so we'll talk about how do we exist inside of that and why it's important for Jesus to come later to be the Savior of us all. And we'll see that in chapter 3. But the next thing I want to go to is that God, not only has he shown his love for us, that he's great, that he's created this place for us, all of these things, but also from the very beginning he sets us up to talk about companionship and community. So we're going to jump down to verses 18. We'll go from 18 to 23. Yes, ma'am. Says the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature was its name. That's a task. Yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. And then he closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from that rib and had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I love verse 23, how the NLT says, at last, yeah. Adam says, at last, somebody who looks like me. So I can only imagine, you know, Adam's going through all these animals. He's naming them. He's watching them, right? And he's thinking, wait a minute. There's two of each of those. Yeah. Why don't I have somebody? Yeah, I don't have anybody that looks like me around here. <laughs> right? So I find it interesting that God placed the animals on the earth first, thinking that maybe that would be enough for him. And then the man comes to the conclusion on his own that, you know what, I don't think this is, I, I, I don't have anybody that looks like that that fits me. Right? Can't talk to the animals. Right. I can't talk to these animals. Well, we don't know. Maybe well, they could talk back could then, have, but we yeah. don't know. <laughs> right? And so he creates woman. And I just think that that is such a beautiful description um, that he then brings woman in, into being. So, y'all, we were not meant to be alone. Right? From the very beginning, God shows us that community and companionship are important for us to have a full life and a full fulfilling life on this earth. Um, Ecclesiastes 4 tells us that two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up the other. So there's your Old Testament backing up Genesis. But then in Colossians chapter 3, which is in the New Testament, it says, bear each other's burdens, and that love binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is how much God cares about us. He loves us enough to show us that it's important to rest. He loves us enough to show us that I've given you a place that's suitable for you. But he's also showing that you need companionship and community in order to thrive and to have a full life. Um, and finally, another way that we know that God cares a great deal about his people is because even before he created the world, mm -hmm. before he did all of this in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, even before the beginning of time, God had a plan for us. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He had a plan for us. He knew what he wanted to do, right? And so speaking of Christ, we then go into Revelation chapter 13, 8, which describes Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of of the world so here we are at the beginning here we are at the end and the trinity is throughout his word just like jesus said i am the alpha i'm the omega i'm the beginning and i'm at the end that's right that's right so our b today is be open to the past to move forward in your faith in order to have a solid foundation in our faith we need to be open Last week we learned to be open to learn. This week we're saying be open to learn about the past. Be open and willing to, to look in the scriptures and look in the Old Testament. Yes, we're going to talk about the stories and we're going to talk about what that means for us and who God's character. I love the Old Testament because it shows God's character yeah. and who he is, who Elohim is. But we're going to kind of, through this whole year, as we're looking at the Old Testament stories, Michael and I and Carrie, we want to challenge you to look for the Trinity, look for Jesus in these passages as we study them, because 
it's gonna it's gonna move your faith forward and it's gonna open your eyes to some things that maybe you've never learned before and so we're really really excited about that would you pray for us I would love to pray for us okay father God we just thank you so much for this time that we have been allowed to come together and um, Lord I thank you for each and every person that is here help us just to um, slow down and uh, regain our allness in what you have given us you've given us this whole planet you gave us life you breathed us into existence from the very beginning with Adam and we thank you for that we thank you for loving us at the very beginning just as you love us now mm -hmm. we thank you that the Holy Spirit was pleasant present with you then as he is with us now and we thank you for sending your son to us, Lord. We thank you for his sacrifice. Yes. We look forward to the day to when we are with you and we do nothing but worship you for all that you have given us. Because all that you gave us was good. Because yes. it came from you. Father, we just thank you, and we praise you. And in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed our teaching today, we have great news. On January 7th, the JAR will be adding a second gathering. Starting with the new year, we will offer two times on Sunday, the new one at 10.30 a.m. and our current one at 4 p.m. Come learn how to be a disciple maker as God fills us so that we can empty for others. I am filled.